0: Hey, everybody, quick note before this episode, uh, so don't freak out. This is the same podcast that you were listening to before transitioning into a new name and new format, but the same great hosts, uh, same folks behind it. Uh, So this is going to be the Student Affairs Nerds podcast, uh, more of a roundtable discussion, uh, sometimes occasional guests. but. Uh, still focusing on the great work of student affairs professionals all over the country. Uh, but we recorded this episode a little while ago. I uh, wanted to get it out before the end of the year to share all reflections on the year that was. Uh, and We will be sharing more details around the rebrand and the change and what led to that. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But uh, without further ado, here is our end of the year episode reflecting on all that happened in 2020. <music> Right, We are here uh, with a season finale episode of sorts, year in review, reflections, uh, all the hosts together again. I'll be kind of leading the show uh, for this episode. Uh, just with a couple of questions that we have for everybody to uh, just think about uh, the year that was, 2020. Uh, it was a long, hard year for a lot of people, a lot of uh, you know disruptions and adjustments and uh, just you know, hardship for a lot of people, too. So uh, we're going to just talk about what's on our minds and uh, just process together. And hopefully that is uh, resonant and relevant for folks uh, listening. So um, the first question that I would like to begin with, and I'll do my response first, and we'll kind of just go around the horn, um, is what surprised you about this year? Um, So for me, I will say I was personally and professionally and everything surprised of how well uh, campus reopenings went. I mean, I think they kind of got off to a fumbled start with places like UNC, uh, which unfortunately you know grabbed headlines for the wrong reasons with uh, their reopening plans. But I feel like you know after some of the initial uh, you know struggles that certain campuses had, it, uh, a lot of places handled it pretty well, even though they might have been like kind of bouncing back and forth, or like closed for two weeks and back open, and you know having to really uh, put in a lot of work and uh, spend a lot of time and resources to. Uh, manage everything um i just uh, didn't think it was going to go that well and i thought everyone was going to have to eventually migrate you know remotely and kind of have to you know acknowledge that uh reality but um yeah so that, that was a really interesting thing to me and i mean it, it's sort of a pleasant surprise and i know it, i think the places that did reopen and have to kind of you know bounce back and forth maybe if they had sort of a, a you know, minor outbreak. I, I'm sure that that was very hard for students, very hard for faculty and staff. So um, it's not necessarily like a, you know, a full endorsement where I'm like, yeah, everybody should reopen. Look how easy it was. Like, you know, that was just still like a very uh, kind of arduous path that they were forging there. But um, I just really did not expect that uh, to go how it went. So, um, I'll pass it over to you next, Jamie. Uh, and then we'll go to Solomon and James for each uh, of our individual reactions, But uh, feel free to kind of just uh, chime in, I guess on that, or I'm not sure what uh, what your surprise was.
1: Well, I have a few surprises, so i'll be I'll try to be fast. I mean, some of it is kind of tagging on to positive efforts of our uh, campus-based colleagues in that, you know going back to the beginning of Covid. I was really impressed with how quickly student affairs professionals pivoted and found super innovative ways to support and engage students. And, you know, I think they were dealing with their own personal challenges, yet the stuff we saw, you know, following Facebook groups and the like, which is partly what really excited me about starting this podcast to be able to elevate those things. I was really impressed with that. I was also surprised by how um, my employers are, you know, Dustin and I work at a a quasi online program management company. I think we probably Mm -hmm. wouldn't label ourselves that way these days. But I really appreciated the fact that we were encouraged to support college campuses regardless as to the revenue you know, so there were many, many different webinars, et cetera, that both of us were involved in. And I was surprised that we were encouraged to do that. I mean, I didn't necessarily have a, a thought that our particular employer was going to be sort of for-profit driven, but we, ha- we do work in a business. And I was surprised that, you know, we were encouraged to, to spend whatever time that we could helping out. And that actually, you know, affirmed my desire and uh, passion for for our workplace also just generally speaking i saw a lot of really really good in people where people really came together to support each other and there was a lot of compassion um i saw a lot of businesses and college campuses also kind of pivoting their you know hr practices to allow for employees to work from home somewhat not by choice but sometimes by choice and likewise, I mean, I will admit, and this may be a little bit an opposition of what you just said, Dustin, but I was also sometimes surprised by seeing the universities that maybe didn't make staff centric decisions and required staff to come back and to host large events without necessarily um, allowing the staff members to have voice and whether that was was what felt safest to them. So I, I kind of feel like I've seen the, the extremes in how employers uh, treat employees. So uh, the last thing I'll say, look, this surprised me. I've been a lover of online education and this is like a personal nugget. I, I never thought that I would necessarily say this, but I do not believe online education has a place for elementary school on the whole. Maybe Mm -hmm. for like, you know, specific students that have social emotional challenges that need to stay home. But having to see my child in online education, and she's great. She's a great learner. But you cannot uh, replicate social emotional learning online. I, I just don't really see that as being a thing. And I'm into seeing all of the innovative practices that are out there. But You know, there's nothing that replaces sort of here's how you follow classroom rules. Here's how you play well together. So uh, given that I thought that I would love everything online, I just don't think elementary school is in that bucket. So there you go. There's a few of my things that I would say surprised me. And I'm excited now to hear from our, our campus based hosts, Solomon and James. So Solomon, what do you think? What surprised you this year?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest surprise for me is how much technology and utilizing online platforms was not optional this year. And I think it's interesting because we talk about this with almost every guest on our show. What does your position look like in 30 years? Most of them assume that technology is going to be a very large part of it. And from the classroom to everything we do outside of the classroom to develop students, to engage them, um, the budgets had to be allocated for those online platforms. And the time and the manpower had to be spent to get these programs ready to a point to where they could be impactful to students and what they're doing um, online this past academic year or from spring to fall. So I think that was a very uh, shocking experience for me because it came out of nowhere. We were planning to do everything normally like we would on ground, of course, utilizing the little bit you know, bits of technology here and there that we, we did utilize prior to the pandemic. But I mean, campuses all across the university had to make those approvals, had to spend that time to do what it took to get their programs online and to keep the, the ball moving forward. So I think that would probably be the biggest shock for me this year and something that I think um, we'll still see a lot of moving forward. I'm going to pass it on over to James to maybe give us another perspective from the the campus life.
3: Yeah, so I'm going to start first by talking about the resiliency of our students. Uh, We were at, at my institution completely in person. We had some hybrid courses, but the majority of our students were on campus. And I was surprised at how resilient they were, both in terms of learning online, adapting to policies, as well as just really having a great attitude about this. They understand the importance of safety. They were great partners in helping us to identify safety problems, uh, both both on campus, but also in, in their peers' behavior. And so that was really, really nice to see. I will say that it was very hard on them, and it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Uh, you know, we, we think of our students as living in a digital age, and a digital world, that that when it first started, I think it was novel and doing a lot of things online was, was great fun for them. Um, but what we, what we saw as we moved forward was was a great deal of, of missing the social emotional component. I, I think I, I'm not sure that they are much different than elementary school students, Jamie, and, and their need to be with each other. Um, and their need to work together. And it's one of the things about student affairs that I love most is the, is the, you know, the, the gathering together, the ability to connect, to do the things that we need to do to be good, uh, good students and, and good professionals together in a community. And, and some of that was missing. I think I'd also like to say that the surprise was the resiliency of our colleagues, both in, in the classroom and outside of the classroom. Uh, faculty members and, and students, fair staff from, from grounds all the way through housekeeping they took on impossible tasks to keep campuses open this fall. Um, just the amount of work that it took to do uh, what needed to be done, the amount of money that needed to be spent to keep to, to keep uh, in-person learning occurring, um, was a lot more surprising than I thought. But but when we walked away from campus a few days ago um, and sent our students home, we did a, a, a testing event where we tested anybody, faculty, staff, and students who wanted to be tested before they went home for Thanksgiving to make sure that we were we were being responsible Um, in sending our students home. We worked with the National Guard in the state of Virginia to do that Uh, and so that program was wonderful. We were able to you know make sure that we felt good about sending our students home and the community coming together for that event um, which was a a COVID testing event actually felt like one of the highlights of the semester because people got to see each other at least for a short amount of time throughout the day Um, and so we felt good about what we had accomplished and what we were doing. And so that was some of the things that surprised me as we were uh, sort of running through the fall all the way through summer and then completing out toward the end of exams here.
0: Yeah, all great stuff. And I mean, it just was resonating with me with all of that. Is just, you know, everyone kind of just earnestly doing their best. Like we're all doing what we kind of need to need to, to get through this moment. And uh, that, you know, folks were, uh, you know, working together and students were kind of trying to do their best, uh, uh, to kind of push through, but really at the end of the day that uh, we obviously need each other. Like we, we are all humans who, uh, kind of crave and, uh, need human interaction and, um, you know, hoping, uh, moving forward, we can kind of have, uh, you know, maybe the best of both worlds of this, uh, kind of high tech, uh, augmenting high touch, uh, work that we've always been doing, uh, uh, in this space, and uh, not not losing out on uh, either of those things, which kind of seg- uh, segues me to the next question. Um, So we're going to go through the same order here, but uh, the next one is just like, what do you hope stays in place moving forward? Because society and life changed so much in 2020, and certainly you know campus life and everything is no different. Uh, and there's certain things that you know we kind of. Uh, you know, with desperate times and desperate measures, like we kind of did things that maybe people thought weren't possible before, um, or just, we hadn't really, uh, you know, thought through or kind of implemented yet. And, uh, for me, it's really just like, you know, the focus on digital engagement has just been so incredible to me. And, you know, obviously there's a huge, uh, kind of, kind of use case, even, you know, after all this time to help support, you know, adult learners, uh, you know, students who are, uh, hybrid or entirely online or any any of those kind of mixes with any of this stuff. And it's, you know, digital engagement opportunities that go from all the way from somebody who's a prospective student all the way through to uh, after they graduate, there's these opportunities to create uh, really meaningful connections and digital communities uh, and make sure that students are, um, you know, at the earlier side, making uh, informed choices about uh, the institution that they want to attend and the program they want to study and the things they want to get involved with, and then just allowing uh, alumni to, you know, be mentors and support, and give their time, and uh, just be aware of what's going on on, uh, you know, their alma mater. So um, I really do hope that focus on digital engagement continues. I don't see how it couldn't really. I mean, it, I think people are seeing some clear value add there, but um, you know, we'll see. I, I'm sure there are some uh, professionals out there that are kind of uh, begrudgingly doing this just because it's not uh, something that they would see as uh, kind of sustainable moving forward. But I do hope it stays along as much as possible. So. Uh, Jamie, if you want to take this one next, what do you hope stays in place moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think that mine kind of tacks along to yours in some ways too, Dustin, but I, I just really hope that when we're in a space that we're pivoting back to a sort of more face to face environment, that we actually spend some time to really critically think about what are the things that need to happen face to face that we can really make the best of that time with folks in front of us. And then how can we continue to optimize digital spaces? And that is inclusive of digital engagement to your point. Um, but like, please, public service announcement, do not make students come to campus to sign a form ever again after COVID. Like that just really should not be a thing. And, you know, along those lines, you know, the the, the degree to which college campuses can can keep thinking about how they can ensure that their practices are inclusive of those students who are either learning at a distance because they're online or maybe it's just hard for them to get to campus during varied hours. Like, please keep those folks in your mind as you're creating policies, practices, procedures, programs and know that, you know, the same holds true for what you've learned during COVID. There are some things that actually can be even better done By leveraging technology, for instance, alumni, which you mentioned, Dustin, it can be you can get far more alumni involved in your events if they don't have to come to campus. Right. So, you know, I just I really hope that the openness toward that and optimizing both modalities continues to the extent to which. 10, 15, 20 years from now, we, we really see students experience, experiencing a sort of blended college experience where they're going to and from a sort of online campus ex, or a campus experience that is sometimes online and sometimes face-to-face, and that everything that they would get on ground is available in some capacity online. And the last thing I would, would add um, in a different kind of box, but I just really hope that both business um, and education institutions stay open to the idea of remote and flexible work. For whatever reason, college campuses have been very anchored around the bi- business hours and around face-to-face you know, attendance at work. And, and some positions, certainly it makes sense that they stay that way. But the reality is there's a lot of flexibility that you could put in place that actually better meets both staff and student needs. And we've seen that through COVID. And I really, really hope that that continues on because I think that it can foster an experience for notably working parents that creates uh, the opportunity for them to have more balance in their life and to be more present with their identity as parents. So Um, I hope those two things stick around. I'm seeing it, you know, I'm seeing positive uh, direction for the business world with many more job postings saying, you know, opportunities for uh, remote work. So hopefully that happens in higher ed as well. And so what do you think, Solomon? What are you hoping stays in place?
2: Well, I definitely agree with both what you and Dustin just shared, so I hope to see all of those trends continue. Um, but also, another one that I really hope to see, even when things open back up, is how professionals continue to be creative. And I know for many of us, we had to create new online programs uh, You know that we had never done before. Um, and I think we don't always have to reinvent the wheel when we want to think creatively. I know for us, we the first thing that we did is we looked at our on-ground programs and thought, okay, how can we tweak this to make it work for online? And I think even when we're looking at what programs we've maybe done in the past on-ground, we should always look at Elements to see, okay, what can we freshen up? What can we replace? What's relevant now? What are students, you know, into right now? Uh, because a program that we did maybe even a year ago um, might not be relevant or as relevant as it could be um, without those kind of updates. So I really hope to see the um, innovation continue, even in small ways. Um, and just want to echo what you said earlier about. Uh, The collaboration that we also saw across campuses and uh, across various colleagues, um, really enhancing what we do at individual institutions. So um, I know that is the student affairs way, um, but I think we were definitely challenged in a new way. um, And I think it kind of can keep that fire ignited even uh, once we return on ground. So uh, now I'm going to pass it back on over to James uh, to maybe share with us some of the things he likes to see.
3: Yeah, thanks, Solomon. I, I absolutely love this question. Uh, so a couple things happened that were wonderful that I think that should stick around. The first is um, when we were looking at our orientation programs and how we welcome students to campus, we found a couple really important things that we hadn't planned. One, was there was a lot of, when students arrived on campus, form checking to make sure things were done. And we created a pre-check experience where students could schedule with a pre-check counselor, just someone from the college to do that online in advance. And it worked so well. I think we should do that and continue to do that no matter what. Um, it, it gave students the opportunity to know before they arrived that everything was done. And we, we knew we had a much clearer picture of who was actually going to show up to campus as well as what they needed and what they didn't know or understand and we had people from all across campus volunteer to be those pre-check counselors um the other thing was is, is when we got ready to do move in because of COVID, we were forced to do move in a much different way than we did before so we did a a drive-through check-in process and uh you know i i would have thought that it would be it would be subpar and not ideal but parents who had students who were returners raved about check-in. And I wondered why. And we started to do the assessment and look at it. And then it became really clear, you know, we've been asking students and families to pack up their vehicles, come to campus, go into a space, walk through a parking lot, go inside, walk through a maze, collect all these items. And in fact, what we had them do this year was they drove through and we met them at their vehicles and gave them all of the things they need. And then they went and checked into their residence hall. And so we were actually meeting them where they needed to be, which is what we should have been probably doing all along. We checked students in, even with health and safety protocols, and a minute and 30 seconds per car. Um, And they were able to get to their rooms, get settled, have that time before we were able to then um, get them started on their on-campus orientation, uh, welcome week sort of experience. And then I think the other thing that, that I want to re-echo some of the things that Jamie said is I hope that higher education continues to be flexible about how we meet the needs of our students. Um, I, I One of my primary roles is to work in the student conduct realm. And student conduct hearings in Zoom, I've actually found them to be more efficient, more effective, and much less tense than, than they are when they are in person. Um, it, it allows a student to discuss sensitive matters to them from a space they feel safe in, um, it's less contentious. And so that has been a wonderful experience for those students. So I hope. So I hope we will continue to do that, or some of that at least, when, it, when students would like that to be an option. Um, I think the other piece is that we continue to look at our staff and to allow them to work in ways that make sense, uh, particularly for our student activities professionals who work a lot of late nights, res life professionals who work a lot of late nights, other student affairs professionals, who are working late at night to allow them the flexibility to meet with students online in the morning and then to be in in the evening when that makes sense to them to allow a balance of remote and on-campus work in such a way that, that we're meeting the needs of our students in exceptional ways, but that we're also meeting the needs of our staff and not overworking them and overburdening them. And so I think some of those things are things that I think we can move forward that would be really wonderful to keep. That probably wouldn't have happened had we not had this opportunity to look at our practices.
0: Absolutely. Because, um, yeah, I think it. all of this, like we just have seen kind of laid bare kind of, uh, you know, the vulnerabilities of every single person around us of like, you know, oh, like, you know, the responsibilities that you have are kind of amplified during this time. And maybe we should be a little bit more empathetic and yeah, come to you and make things as easy as possible for you, uh, you know, staff, faculty, student, anybody. Uh, so there's, you know, really sometimes simple ways. Yeah. I love that. of just like, well, yeah, maybe we should just keep doing that drive-in thing. Like that was so great. Or like, you know, just the, um, you know, overall procedures that you have and allowing, uh, yeah. Like somebody who has to work an evening program, they don't have to like come in the same, like nine to five. They don't get to really go home and they're just like, you know, uh, kind of overtaxed that way. So, um, yeah, I hope, uh, just more empathy, more humanity and, uh, all that uh, would definitely be good stuff to keep, uh, keep going. So we will wrap up here with our final question. Uh, so we'll go through the same order. And the question is, what did you learn about yourself this year? Um, and I will just say, I learned uh, perhaps or just relearned or kind of uh, further emphasize the value of patience. So uh, a couple of different things, uh, an early casualty of 2020 was uh, the South by Southwest EU uh, conference that i was supposed to uh present at do a live podcast recording i was so excited it was my first time going and just like such an incredible opportunity um i was really bummed out that that did not happen uh still got some good connections uh from that but uh you know just had to be patient to kind of be like okay maybe i will get to austin for that to happen in person next year or the year after who knows so um there's that and then uh my first child, my wife, uh, her name is Eleanor. Uh, she was born April 22nd. So I, with everything going on, I've had to learn a great deal of patience of being uh, here all the time with her, which I'm very grateful for, but you know, there's just less, uh, you know, less time during the day to get all the things done that I might want to do. Uh, and just recognizing that, you know, okay, well, that can just wait until tomorrow. Or do I really need to be doing that in general and trying to just kind of wind down some things and be, uh, just a little bit more patient with, uh, you know, all that I think that I'm supposed to be or have to be doing, uh, in my life. So, uh, that was definitely a big, big lesson reinforced this year, uh, is the value of patience. So, um, Jamie, we'll go to you next. What did you learn about yourself this year?
1: Well, I would tack on to your patience, um, concept. Notably, you know, for me, you have a, a new baby that joined the world and I have a four-year-old and seven-year-old that suddenly were home all the time um, doing some version of schooling. It changed, of course, over the duration of time and really not being able to leverage folks, uh, notably my parents and my in-laws to help because it didn't really seem like that was the safe option. So here I am, you know, working this full-time job with the two kids. My husband was also, is also working, Full time, and so we've had to be really creative. But it has kind of forced me to do what you said, Dustin, which is to to practice more patience, notably with myself, Um, because there's just only so much that I can get done. I mean, the other thing I learned was to work smarter, which I think probably is similar to what what you described, Dustin, which is just really carefully thinking about what I need to spend my time on and when and. Uh, looking to those around me to be forgiving if it takes a little longer to get back to them or to do something that I had to kind of push back a little bit on my prioritization list. But I think that's a valuable lesson for the future um, that I want to retain because I I do think that we can all easily fall back into the uh, how much time, how much can you fit in the, the time that you have. Um, The other thing I learned along with the personal note, I, this is going to sound weird, but I kind of learned that I don't suck as a parent. Okay. And I know uh, maybe I was hard on myself, but I would always be like, look, I'm a C plus parent and an A plus worker. (laughs) And, but when faced with quarantine in the beginning, especially, I I had a lot of fun with my kids and we did like this caterpillars in quarantine series and you know what that was time that I will never get I would never have gotten to do that again and it it gave me a whole different like sort of level of joy in parenting and and I I totally understand I come from a place of privilege here but The fact that I get to see my kids as much as I do while being in a career that I really love, I think is just such an amazing um, blessing. And yes, sometimes I'm exhausted by Friday, so I sleep part of Saturday. And yes, sometimes I want to break from them, but by and large, I think, gosh, this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, The other thing that I'll say is that. I like the fact that I learned to move more slowly through life, because I couldn't be at this appointment and that appointment and that soccer game and all of these Zoom meetings during the day. I had to really rethink my schedule. There was less in my schedule. I mean, partly because we were on lockdown, right? There's only so many places you can go, which ironically uh, we start in California on lockdown tomorrow, but you everything just seemed to move slower and relationships seemed to be more of the focal point as opposed to the things that you were doing. So I really want to try to stick with that. And last I just learned that I, I continue to be really driven um to continue figuring out how to make the best online learning experience possible for folks. Um, certainly not everybody's gonna choose this in the future. Uh, And hopefully the pandemic ends, and hopefully there's not another one. But for some some folks that do choose online learning or a blend of it, I just I think that there's a lot of things that we can do and innovate to keep making that experience awesome. And I'm even more driven now uh, toward that mission than than before COVID started. So those are the things I learned about myself, and I'm excited to hear what Solomon and James learned about themselves. So Solomon. Take it
2: away. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are two things that came to mind for this question. The first being, um, especially as a new professional, I learned this summer to trust my vision. Um, For orientation advisors, we do every summer a um, two-day staff retreat before we kick things off. And I'll never forget sitting at my computer, (laughs) staring at the schedule of what would have been on on ground and ask myself, how do I do an online staff retreat that sets the tone for the entire summer? And so I had to really just trust that the plan that I created um, was going to work and that students were going to buy into this experience and buy into this community that I was trying to establish so that they could do their jobs better to the best of their abilities, but also get the most out of the experience. So I think that was probably the biggest thing that I learned about myself because towards the end of the summer, I could really tell that, Many of the goals that I had set for this team were being achieved and were met. And then it was even reaffirmed when we did our exit interviews. And we found that so many students were willing to come back to do this again, even if it were going to be online again, or that they wanted to work with our office in some way. So we actually got to build a really cool culture through this experience that I think is going to last even once we return on ground. The second thing um, that I think I learned in this experience is to be okay with not being okay publicly. There was a lot of uh, things that this country experienced with the uh, death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor that I found myself being really trapped in the professional space, being or not being able to speak about, especially um, with my students. And, you know, a lot of times in student affairs, um, we can have what I've learned is called toxic positivity, where we, you know, kind of sweep everything under the rug and keep our heads down and we keep grinding because we know we're trying to reach that goal and get to, you know, where we need to go. But I think I really had to take a step back and announce to my team and even to my students sometimes when I wasn't at full capacity or um, when, you know, maybe I was having um, a bad moment not so much with my all you know the orientation leaders, the team of 40 that I manage, but definitely with the coordinators the the one the students who are also leading um, the the team that I want them to know like you know as a leader you can show this side of yourself and um, just on, in that same vein I want to empower all new professionals to both you know, and old professionals. So not just new, believe in your vision and, and be okay with not being okay publicly. Um, because nine times out of 10, someone else is experiencing some of the feelings that you might be experiencing or or wish that there was uh, the space to talk about something um, that's probably on your mind as well. And so I think those were two very important things that I learned. Maybe not about myself, but definitely, uh, you know, grew in those areas this this past year and I'm uh, going to pass it on over to James. Thanks, Solomon. So,
3: I think I would characterize the what I learned this year in three words and that's vulnerability, grace, and and harmony. And those three things are important in in, in several ways. I mean, this year was a year that there was some joy, and I I I want to celebrate the resiliency of our students, and I want to celebrate our the accomplishments of our campus professionals in allowing learning to continue, and and those who were transitioned and pivoted to online learning to make their institutions work as well. Um, but personally, it was a tough year. I I experienced a lot of loss this year. Um, on freshman move-in day, uh, my mom passed away during freshman move-in while I was doing drive-through move-in. Um, and, you know, in that moment, the main thing, which is always the students was no longer the main thing and couldn't be. And, and for a minute, I didn't know what to do with that. Like I was standing there at freshman move in needing to be there and needing to be somewhere else at the same time. And so I just had to be okay with being vulnerable and saying, this is not my main thing right now. I've got to go. Um, and I did, and the support that that I got from my colleagues and from the students who were there, um, you couldn't ask for more than that. And and to learn that vulnerability is not weakness is is a really important thing to learn. And so I, I learned that about myself this year. Um, to learn about grace, it was giving myself grace and the space to say, no, I can't do that for you right now. Um, and then the importance is to realize how important of an impact that I could be for someone on small things, even when they didn't seem significant to me. Um, I had a student who emailed me uh, one night who was concerned because they couldn't get double cheeseburgers at the grill. They weren't complaining. They were just worried and they didn't know who else to ask. And, And so I I called dining services and asked them why they couldn't put an extra cheeseburger patty on there. And they said, well, I guess we can. I said, well, you can make that happen. And I got a note the next day from the student and you would have thought I was a hero for a double cheeseburger. And it just seemed fairly insignificant. But to that student, it was very important to them. And so the things I learned were that My life has to be in harmony. I can't always be concerned about work. I can't always be concerned about what's happening at home. They're not going to balance. There's no 50-50, you know, scale where it balances. They just have to sing in the same song and they can't be cacophonous with one another. And so that's what I took away from this year is to be, to be gracious with those around me who need support, to be empathetic, as Dustin was talking about, to be more humane, uh, with both myself and with those around me and and how we can better serve each other, not just how I can better serve students, but how, how we can better work as a community to, to serve the whole. Um, and then how do I balance that with, with my need to be there for the people in my life who are important to me other than the people at work. And so that was a, a nice lesson. And, you know, I always thought that to be vulnerable was to not necessarily be strong. And that's simply not the case. Um, I've ever since, you know, my, my mom passed away. And then shortly after that, uh, my, my secretary of 10 years here at the college passed away. Um, and so I have been very open about the fact that I am seeing both a psychiatrist and a psychologist, because I think it's important for students to know that that's okay. And like Solomon just said, it's okay not to be Okay but let's do something about it together. And so my hope is that our, our colleagues and our students will reach out to each other and take advantage of resources they need to help their lives balance and so that they too can learn grace, vulnerability, and importance.
0: Yeah, such powerful stuff. I appreciate you all uh, sharing all that you did. And I think it just, uh, I mean, it makes me think, like these are the human stories that are happening in 2020. It is just learning and loss and just, you know, reflection and just trying to, you know, all of us do our best. to. What I keep saying is kind of find serenity in the storm. Like this storm is raging on and it will continue to rage on for a little while longer, but, you know, we have to do what we can to try to uh, find the silver linings and uh, keep pressing, keep moving forward and, uh, you know, try to be as resilient as we can and help each other with that. Uh, So uh, I think this is, awesome that we were able to come together and kind of process together and share all that we did and, uh, just find this space at the end of the year to, uh, you know, share it out with everybody. So again, thank you all so much for, uh, sharing all that you did. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, hope you all have a safe and, uh, you know, enjoyable holiday season, uh, all things considered. And, uh, we will be back uh, next year with new episodes. <music>